October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and although great strides have been made, the statistics remain the same. According to the American Cancer Society, one in every eight women will hear the words, you have breast cancer. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. The Ellie Fund is a charity I am honored to support this month and all year long. And our guest is a woman who benefited greatly from their services. She's a former professional ballet dancer, a well-being enthusiast, and a breast cancer survivor. Her mission? To spread the importance of health in mind, body, and soul. Her name is Melissa Dupuis, and this is her story. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to see you, to meet you, and to spend some time with you. So, Melissa, let's start with your initial diagnosis. Tell us all about it. Sure. I was diagnosed January 5th, 2021 with uh, HER2-positive stage 2 breast cancer, and it rocked me. (laughs) It rocked your world. It rocked my world. Uh, So... A little backstory, I had a baby in December 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. I was healthy, breastfeeding, and I felt a lump maybe a year later, and I thought it was a clogged duct, and I thought nothing of it, have had a few of them, I knew how to get rid of them, so I did my best to get rid of it, and it didn't go away, and it started to get bigger, and it started to hurt, and then I said, wow, maybe this isn't what I think it is, so maybe I should go get it checked out. So the day after Christmas, I went to get it checked out, and they said, oh, well, this is not a cyst. Let's go get a mammogram. My first one, you know, I wasn't 40 yet, so I went to get a mammogram, and they said, all right, well, we see something. Let's get a biopsy. So then I got a biopsy. Unfortunately, this wasn't the best practice of this doctor, but he said, this is cancer. Buckle up. So I waited for the results. I had to go through New Year's, wait for the results, and sure enough, January 5th, they diagnosed me stage two, HER2 positive breast cancer. What was your life like in that week between buckle up, you have breast cancer, and the results themselves to come home to your husband and your little girl? It was really hard. I mean, I, I didn't think it was real. I thought, well, it's like know, a movie. It's like a movie. Yeah. I, I was like, maybe he read it wrong and wait for the results. Don't take what he says. Knowledge is power. Exactly. I got to tell you, my little girl helped me so much to stay present, obviously. and Because their needs are so immediate, exactly. right? You can't just sit back and think about yourself. Right. So it, it was a blessing in disguise to, to have a newborn that needed my help constantly. What was your treatment like? I started immediately. When they diagnosed me, I went straight to MGH. I had a four-hour appointment with oncology, radiology, my surgeon. So I met my whole team. My husband just vigilantly writing down all of these notes while I just stared at a wall. I I couldn't comprehend anything they were saying because all that I thought about was, I have cancer, I have cancer, I have cancer. Oh, my God. Luckily, I I say lucky, but my cancer was treatable. Not everybody gets that lucky. So I'm very grateful that I had a treatable form of cancer. And they said, all right, we're going to start you with six rounds of chemotherapy. Every three weeks you go in. And then right after that, you're going to have your surgery. And then after that, you're going to have radiation. So it was boom, boom, boom. I just, wow, that's so overwhelming as I hear was. you talk about that. And the first thing that I want to ask, too, is were you angry at your body at all? And I ask you this question because you are a health enthusiast. You are someone who has spent her entire life taking care of her body. Yep. But it can happen to anyone. Exactly. I'm living proof that it could happen to anyone and not to scare anyone, but it really can. And I was furious <laughs> because the reason I take care of myself is so I can live 
a long life, healthy, disease free. That's the whole point. I mean, to be happy, you know, so I, I ate all the healthy food. I got my eight hours of sleep. I drink in moderation, you know. You um, breastfed. I breastfed. I drink water. I exercise every day. You know, I did all the things. And yet still, I got cancer. Okay, let's flash forward to today. It's been a couple mm-hmm. years. Give us how you're doing. Honestly, I'm doing great. I really am. I will say survivorship is hard. And it's something that a lot of people don't talk about because all they talk about is treatment, getting better, curing it. But survivorship is hard. You're scared it's going to come back. Every pain, every ache, every twinge, you think it's cancer. And normal people don't think that. They say, oh, I have a headache. No big deal. And I have a headache and I think I have brain cancer. So it messes with your brain, you know. So I will say I definitely have that post-survivor anxiety But in the grand scheme of things, I feel healthy. I feel happy. I feel grateful. My life has a new meaning. You know, they say that breast cancer changes you from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Was that true for you? I see you shaking your head right away. A hundred percent. It's going to sound silly, but just everything around me just seems brighter. I pay attention more. I'm more present. I appreciate the little things, and the little things are the big things. And these are all cliche things to say, but it's so true. When you have this life-threatening disease that threatens to take everything that matters to you away, you have to cherish it every day. How did you learn about the Ellie Fund, and what did they do for you? Because I'm guessing that along this cancer journey, they were a bright light for you. I love them. (laughs) So I really tried to utilize a lot of the resources the hospital gave me. So I did acupuncture and reflexology during my treatments, and and I did a lot of the programs. I I saw a therapist at the hospital, and then they mentioned the Ellie Fund, and I didn't really think about that other half of, oh, what about the rest of my family? Let's let's take care of us and the financial burden that it's having because I had to stop working. I, I have a very physical job. I teach Pilates for a living. So it was physically taxing. So I couldn't just sit and type on a computer. I had to move my body. So the woman that I was working with at the hospital, a social worker, mentioned it. And I didn't think I qualified. I was like, well, I have a job and my husband works. And she says, no, no, no. Anyone can benefit from the Ellie Fund. And so I applied. And I was granted you know, a stipend for groceries and also for childcare for my daughter. The Ellie Fund literally goes in and says to the woman, how can we help you? Mm-hmm. Elliefund.org. You wanted to give back to this charity, so you used your talents to help raise awareness by leading exercise and stretching classes. Tell us all about that. I just wanted to give back. I was so grateful. And so once I was feeling ready that October... I got everyone together. We held a class outside in the seaport, and all the proceeds went straight to the Ellie Fund. And it was great. And I've, I've met so many wonderful people, and I've been to their gala, and, and we're doing the you know play event soon. And I'm just so honored and excited to be on the other side, helping the Ellie Fund continue to be as amazing as they are. Well, you mentioned play, the Professional Ladies Association Boston. Check them out on Instagram, PLA Boston. Great women. And I'll be at the same event that you're talking about. It's a lovely brunch, and we raise some money for the Ellie Fund. 
You are a well-being enthusiast, as we said at the top of the show, with a long list of credentials, including a master's in public health. You are a certified Pilates instructor, as you've mentioned. You're also a certified health education specialist, a health coach, a personal trainer, a bar instructor. The list goes on and on. But your mission is to spread the importance of health in mind, body, and soul. Talk to us about your philosophy. I truly believe your body and mind are a unique experience. And it's so important to listen. Listen to your body. It talks to you. It tells you when it's not well. It tells you when it feels good. It tells you when it doesn't. And that's something I advocate for myself as well as for others. And it's not just as serious as cancer. It's thirst. It's hunger. It's being tired. It's being stressed. Like, listen to your body. And the clients I work with, I I meet them where they are. And I say, how can I help you feel your best? How can I help you live your best life? And that's my mission is I like it when people are happy (laughs) and when they feel good. And I'm honored to be a part of that journey with them. Do you believe, Melissa, that there is a connection between a woman's emotional health and her physical health when it comes to cancer or any kind of an illness? Absolutely. A hundred percent. When I went into my treatment, the doctor said, you're in a good place because you have a solid base. You're not coming in here obese. You're not coming in here unhealthy, not sleeping while stressed out. You know, of course I was stressed out, but at a baseline, I had a good base to start this journey of beating this cancer. And I had a positive attitude. When I was first diagnosed, of course, I broke down. I was a mess. But once I came to, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to beat this. Let's go. And I just got my fight on. You know, I put my boxing gloves on (laughs) and I said, let's do this. So I went in with a very positive attitude. And even on my worst days, I just kept saying, this is temporary. This is temporary. This is temporary. And it helped me through. There's so much power in positivity, whether it's cancer or whatever you're going through. You have to stay positive. You have to find those bright lights, no matter what. You are a former ballet dancer, and we have a connection through an incredible prima ballerina named Idra Toth, Miss Idra. She was featured on this program a couple of years ago, and I'm just telling listeners, look her up on my website. Go to candyoterry.com backslash podcast. Look up Idra Toth, because the woman is a one-woman dynamo like you will never, ever forget. Tell us how you met Miss Idra and what kind of an influence she had on your life as a dancer. I met Idra when I was very young, maybe 11 or 12 years old. I was an aspiring ballet dancer, and we were looking for a really solid place for me to train. And aside from Boston Ballet, Idra was closer, but she was obviously with Boston Ballet, so we went there. And that's how I met her, and I trained with her every day, three, four hours a day, you know. She made me bleed through my point shoes, and it was good luck, and... She trained us hard, but I'll tell you, she gave me grit. And I carry that with me today. You know, I still train like that. You know, I'm I'm back dancing. Thank goodness. I'm really excited about it. But I train the way she taught me. You know, I work hard. And I think dance in the whole grand scheme of things, but her training especially, teaches you to never give up. Keep working hard. Do your best. But also be passionate. Love it. Enjoy it. Have fun. How did you discover your love of dancing. I was like three, two, three years old. I was I was so young and I I loved it. I just loved to move my body. And so my mom was like, okay, we got to go get dance. this kid in some ballet classes. Yeah, exactly. You know, I tried everything. I tried the tap, the jazz, all that stuff. But I fell in love with ballet and I loved it. I loved the freedom of movement. 
But I also loved the discipline. I fell in love with it, and I never turned back. It's one thing, though, to love to dance, and it's another thing to rise through the ranks and become a professional ballet dancer. So how long did that take, and what kind of discipline, Melissa, is involved in reaching that kind of a goal? To be a dancer, you have to love it. You don't get paid very much. You have <laughs> to eat and breathe it, I'm you guessing. You have to eat and breathe it, literally. You know, it, it is a tough world out there, but you have to love it. You have to. And when you love something that much, nothing else matters. You just do it. You know, I never thought, what else could I do? Or maybe I shouldn't do this. And, and sure, that maybe here or there that happened when things were tough. But, you know, I held down five jobs. I danced. I, I did my thing just to make it happen. And I never regretted any of it. It was so fun, and I still find a lot of joy in it, which is why I still do it. What happens to you when you get on a stage and you are dancing? Just close your eyes for a minute and just describe what that feels like. It's bliss. (laughs) It's complete bliss. I am in my element. It is my happy place. I feel joy. I can be myself. Even though I'm kind of acting, I still feel like this is my place. This is my purpose to make, again, make people happy. It's just another way of bringing joy to someone's life. You know, I remember Miss Idra teaching me about the lifespan of a ballerina, and it's relatively short mm-hmm. because standing on your toes is hard on your body. Shaking your head, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful I'm still on my toes, you know, but yeah, and they're, they're not pretty. But <laughs> it is. It's a lot of discipline and it's hard work. And, and most dancers retire in their 30s. Well, our childhood is our foundation in our life. So if you wouldn't mind, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your childhood, where you're from, and what life was like in your house? Oh, sure. I grew up in a small town called Ludenburg, Massachusetts, so it's in, like, central Mass area. You know, I had a great childhood. I have a sister. My parents were just advocates of us doing what we loved, and they allowed us to explore what that was. For me, I fell in love with ballet, and that's all I wanted to do. And my parents were like, okay, go for it, you know, and they provided me lessons. They went to every single performance and competition. (laughs) My mom was there every time, my dad, like, you know, my sister, my poor sister, (laughs) we had to drag her around. But I got so much support. They, You know, my parents were extremely supportive no matter what we decided to do with our lives. And it was a happy place. Where does your work ethic come from? Dance definitely gives you discipline. You know, it makes you a hard worker. But my parents always advocated, you know, work hard and you'll get places. You know, they made sure that, you know, you do your homework, you, you do this. They, they disciplined us great, but they taught us the importance of hard work and that it will pay off. And also to follow your dreams. Dancing isn't really this, like, normal path. My parents were like, okay, go for it but get a degree. And and I appreciated them for that because if I get hurt, that's my career, you know? So I went to school for dance. I got a degree and, and it helped me because it also enabled me to understand that it's not just dance that I love. I love movement. And that's what brought me into Pilates because, wow, I really love movement in general. So what else can I do with this? Who was your role model when you were growing up? Well, definitely Idra. <laughs> definitely Idra. My parents were a huge inspiration to me with just hard work. You know, they both were working professionals. They just provided for us, and it was great. My grandmother, my nana, she is a very strong woman and has been through so much, and she was a big role model for us, too, just to to work hard and love your life and live it fully. We all need somebody, Melissa, who believes in us, someone Mm -hmm. who tells us, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Who has that person been for you? Myself, I have to say. 
I am my own advocate, and I feel very proud of myself for where I've come to today and where I am. My parents, great role models, my sister, uh, her and I are best friends. She's my person, you know. Uh, my husband is the most supportive person, you know, I've ever met. He's my cheerleader. And my little girl inspires me to be the best version of myself because she sees me. And sometimes I see things she does. I go, ooh, that was me. Oh, boy, I should change that. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time, it's it's positive stuff. And I, I want to instill positivity in her and, and self-love and hard work. So she is a version of me, and I want it to be the best version. Well, speaking of your daughter, how did motherhood change you, Melissa? I got to say, it made me appreciate life in a way that I never thought possible and feel a love that I never knew existed. I can't even describe the love. Like, I would do anything for this little girl. She is my world. And I think motherhood changed my perspective on life, what's important, what's not, as did cancer. And being a mom, it's the greatest gift I could have ever gotten. It's the most rewarding and exhausting <laughs> thing, but it's it's incredible. And I'm so grateful that I get to be her mom. You know, I have been told by many breast cancer survivors that when they heard the news, you have breast cancer, they were more concerned about their children than they were about themselves. Yes. She was the first person I thought of, like, immediately. I didn't want her to lose her mom. I I was like, you're so young. You know, how can this happen? She gave me so much strength to fight even harder. If you can, Melissa, could you please talk to a woman who might be listening to us in this interview today? And maybe she's just heard those words, you have breast cancer, and it's all very fresh, and she hasn't started to walk down that long road you've already been down. What would you say to her, and what do you wish you knew when you first got started? Take a deep breath. (laughs) It is a journey, and despite what you're going through, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's hard. It's hard. But know that you will get through it. Take every moment and try not to look too far ahead. Know that this is temporary, that it will get better. You're a fighter. It is a journey, and when you come out of it, it will change your life for the better. I wrote a whole article for the LA Fund on why I'm grateful for cancer, and people think, what, are you crazy? But no, it it changed my life for the better, and although I wouldn't wish it on anybody, it makes your life fuller and whole because you appreciate it more. So you will get through it. Take it one minute at a time if you need to. And also feel your feelings. Get angry. Be happy. Be sad. Cry. Laugh. Whatever you need to do, it's kind of like the stages of grief. You will go through them all, not in the same order, multiple times. But let yourself feel and know that it's okay to feel. And also rely on your support system. I lost a lot of myself when I was sick. You know, I lost my hair. I lost my breasts. And it's a lot of your dignity. It's a lot of who you describe yourself as and and who you see yourself. So not having those things is hard, you know. So just know that you may go through a couple of cycles of who am I? You know, who is this new person? And it's okay to figure that out and take your time because I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) There's a quote at the end of your email signature that reads, quote, Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift 
That's why they call it a present. Is this your philosophy about how you live your life now? Absolutely. A hundred percent. That quote is from years ago, you know, before I even had cancer, but you have to stay present. There's so much you miss when you're sitting on your phone and just not paying attention. You know, I, I always tell people, look up, just look up. Like you, you see the birds, you see the sky. And I know that sounds so silly, but there's so much beauty around you if you just pay attention. Next three questions. I ask everyone who sits where you are. So you're in the hot seat now. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Well, I look at it in its face, you know, and, and you know, I got to tell you, there's a lot of times I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, you got this. I had to talk to the person in the mirror and look at myself with grit, with fierceness, with proudness, integrity, and just say, you got this. I look at challenges and I face them. You have to. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass that along to our listeners? Oh, boy. Love yourself. Because your body and mind is a fortress and you're really the only one that can take care of it. You know, I mean, other people can take care of you, but you you need to want it and you only have this one life. So treat it with respect. Treat your body with respect. Treat your mind with respect. Be kind to yourself. Final question. Right now in this chapter in your life, Melissa, how do you define success? When I was diagnosed with cancer, I felt like a year got taken away from me. I felt robbed of my time because I had to stop everything I was doing in order to fight cancer. You know, my husband and I were going to have another baby. We were going to move. And all of that just got ripped away in an instant. Now that I'm thankfully on the other side of this and we're trying to move forward with our life, I look at success as happiness, as, as feeling fulfilled in a lot of aspects of your life. It's not just your job. Like a lot of people think of success, meaning I make money and I have a job and life is good. But I feel success lies within you. It's how you feel about yourself, the people you surround yourself with, what you choose to do for your work and how you live it. So it's, it's how you live your life. That's success to me. I wanna say thank you so much for being our guest today on the story behind her success. Thank you. I'm so honored. And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Melissa for sharing her breast cancer journey with us today. This month, we are saluting the Ellie Fund. Find out more about the services they provide to people just like Melissa and women all around at elliefund.org. E-L-L-I-E fund.org. Their mission, supporting patients, funding care, and providing hope. And thank you for listening. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, just reach out and nominate her today. Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.